Welcome back. Welcome to another episode of the Toxic American Podcast. My name is Rudy. I am your host. Um, let's see. What's new in the world? Um, go follow me over at the Twitter. Rudy with a permit at Toxic American. Um, I know I haven't released an episode in a little bit. Been kind of busy with uh, one life and then two. I started a YouTube channel, which I may at some point actually start doing like a video podcast because I guess that's like the cool new thing. Thank you, Joe Rogan. Um, but uh, we're not there yet. Got a few videos over there, basically some shorts, uh, short videos. Uh, it's just a bunch of gun content, actually. Uh, kind of proud of them for what little concept I was able to come up with. But uh, anyway, let's get back to this. So... I'm recording this on Saturday, September 9th. Okay, so taking a break in between some college football games, so you're welcome there. But I should start off by saying I am not a lawyer. I have no law degree. I've never really studied law, at least officially. I've always been kind of just a fan of it. And yes, I've read some court dockets and things like that. But uh, this whole episode apparently is going to be um, pretty legal in nature we're gonna talk or we i guess we if you're listening but i'm gonna talk about some uh three different issues that i have listed that i want to talk about that all revolve around some legalities and then some you know hard and fast laws that exist and then we're gonna do like i normally do and get into what we would like it to be <clears throat> what we need to do to move forward um so Without further ado, let me just quote the French, Jesus. Um, I don't know how many of you are familiar with this story. Um, I knew about it a little bit and had looked into it. And then uh, literally Heather, Miss uh, Schaus34, did her, I listen to her podcast all the time, her morning show, Everything Yesterday This Morning. Hopefully I remembered that correctly. Go let's give her a listen as well if you don't. Uh, but she covered this too. So there's an FFL dealer. And if you guys aren't aware, there's different levels. One of federal firearms license holders or FFLs. I personally have an FFL, um, but it's a curio and relic. So anything 50 years or older within that doesn't fall under the NFA, I can buy without background check or anything like that. I can have it shipped in the mail. Um, a regular old gun shop, gun store, academy, pawn shops, uh, people that have FFLs and brick and mortar stores, they have legitimate firearms licenses, do the background checks, do the whole thing, uh, process your paperwork and what have you. Um, then there's manufacturers, there's a manufacturer license and you, Obviously, you manufacture them and you can't sell them. You can only sell them to a, another FFL dealer. But there are FFL dealers all around that are what are known as the kitchen table. <clears throat> kitchen table FFL dealers. And so they don't have a brick-and-mortar store. 
They will have, you know, a revolving inventory. They're basically traders. They operate in the gun business, and that requires you to get an FFL uh, legally. Now, there's other guys that operate in that business and don't have FFLs at all, any way, shape, or form, and they just are on the good old boy system. And that's what a lot of people will refer to as the gun show loophole. You'll meet these guys at gun shows. They'll have a booth set up. They'll have a, a bunch of different guns set up. And uh, basically, you just show them your ID, prove your age, and prove your uh, uh, citizen of the state or whatever. And you go about your merry way. We had an issue here in the state of Oklahoma with a guy named Russell Fincher. Double check that that's that guy's name. Yeah, so Russell Fincher. He lives in a little town called Tuscahoma, Oklahoma. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I have lived in Oklahoma 35, 35 of my almost 40 years on this earth. I don't believe I've ever even heard of a Tuscahoma. That's how tiny of a town Tuscahoma is. It is unincorporated. It is a... It's one of those towns that you see whenever the storms are rolling through and the weathermen are tracking them and they show like the storm track and then they list all these towns that are in the way of the storm. That would be about the only way you knew about Tuscahoma unless you live there if you're one of the 150 people and that's not an exaggeration. They have like 150 people. But anyway, so Russell is a high school teacher, history teacher I believe has a son, and is what's known as the kitchen table FFL. He has a federal firearms license. He does the background checks. Uh, as far as I know, he does everything he's supposed to do. He is operating legally as a firearms dealer, but he doesn't sell new firearms, and he doesn't have a brick-and-mortar store. So, you know, what's the big deal, right? Apparently, the ATF had a really big deal because they raided him. 52 years old, had his license for three years, and he operates by going to gun shows and selling firearms that way. Okay? He's not one of the good old boy ones. He's just a small-time guy without a brick-and-mortar store. So the FBI, or excuse me, the ATF raids him. He was on his way to a gun show, uh, the Wanamaker's Gun Show in Tulsa, which is the world's largest gun show, and I can uh, attest to that, being there numerous times. So this is like a, this is going to be an all-day thing. It's going to take him two and a half, three hours to get there. And the ATF rolls up and rolls up full battle rattle, raids him, and harasses, intimidates him by his account and basically forces him to sign over his FFL. They took thousands of dollars worth of firearms, and I don't mean, you know, he had hundreds of firearms. He didn't have a whole lot of firearms, but the stuff that they did take, it was very, very valuable. Um, basically estimated at around uh, fifty dollars to $60,000 worth of guns that they took from him. 50 of his personal guns, he says. None of these are NFA items. None of these are ghost guns. None of these have serial numbers scratched off. None of them. Um, 
he has now contacted his representatives here in the state of Oklahoma, and they are launching an investigation. Uh, but the thing that really stands out, this is allegedly they did this all over some paperwork that was uh, hard to read, allegedly. They had visited him once before, then they came back with uh, full asshole attire and raided his home with a guy who is nonviolent, is a school teacher, he's 52 years of age, uh, no record, and had his 13-year-old son with him. And they came up, as they do, full asshole, full asshat regalia, and raided the man. So the thing that is the scariest part about this, or the most creepy part, however you want to look at it, is allegedly one of the agents remarked to him, we're shutting the gun shows down. Um, I don't understand necessarily what that really means, but another thing that was said to him allegedly is one agent told him that they hate home FFLs. Okay, that's weird. I don't understand what the issue with this man was that we needed to dedicate any time or resources to dealing with whatever was going on with his paperwork. I don't understand the issue really at all, unless we're talking about a bigger issue, assuming everything that we're being told is accurate. and. You can find the article on thetruthaboutguns.com. Pretty decent little article. The ATF basically is mum on this whole thing. They're not saying a word. Um, I think we're all very, very aware with different cities around the United States that have major gun crimes happening or major crimes happening with guns being used in the, uh, those crimes. And the ATF is not doing a thing. It's not hard to see videos of uh, certain folks in certain areas showing off their Glocks with the switches installed on the backside, which makes that an automatic firearm, which is under the NFA is illegal, shouldn't be. Um, there's no shortage of that. Not hard to find those videos. And I don't, uh, if someone wants to tell me or um, hit me up on Twitter. You can send me an article where the ATF rated anyone in those areas over Glock switches. So we're going after 52 year old guy with about 50 guns, totaling about $60,000 who has committed no crime. So we're just going after his FFL. I know that there is other FFL uh, dealers that are brick and mortar style outfits that are being harassed. Some of them are being run out of business. At a certain point, and I have advocated for people, if you're really into firearms and you really want to get into firearms, especially collecting them, look into getting an FFL. If you want to you know, go through the process. It's not a hard process to go through, especially a curio, curio and relic. It's not 
too terribly expensive if you want to do the full thing. I'm taking that away now. Don't do that. I don't understand how this is legal to just go after people and take their license when they've done nothing wrong. But it's not surprising either when you have a Chevron deference and these organizations can just do whatever they want. These executive agencies can just file a new rule and now it becomes a law because they're the enforcement mechanism, even though no law was passed. Um, that's wrong. Hopefully, with um, some of the cases that the Firearms Policy Coalition is litigating right now and going through the processes of, hopefully, it will put in front of the Supreme Court the original Chevron decision and get rid of Chevron deference and totally curb the power of the ATF the FBI, the EPA, all of these organizations that just can pass a willy-nilly rule based on their interpretation from this morning or 10 minutes ago or just whatever they want to do. Whoever uh, political party put them in power as a director, they can just do whatever the hell they want and there's no repercussions whatsoever. Uh, we see this with the pistol brace rule. You know, five years ago, pistol braces were fine. Five seconds ago, everyone's a felon who has one. That's not how this operates. That's not how this is supposed to happen. Congress, in its dereliction of its duty, has allowed this to happen because they want to try to remain popular. I think I've said that before. They're just looking to get votes. They're not really looking to do anything and really put their necks out there. They're just trying to maintain power. I would like to know your guys' thoughts on this. I'll link it in the show description of the article about this guy and allegedly what he did or did not do. But uh, this is one of those kind of Gestapo-style tactics where you just roll up and the process is the punishment, and then they take fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 away from this guy worth of value. Um, I'm curious also, as I sit here, what that means for him and the IRS. Does he get a fifty or $60,000 credit of lost value? I wonder how that works. <clears throat> Maybe he had insurance. But, next subject. And this one is a fiery subject. Lots of opinions on this one. If you haven't heard... Liberty Safe made some waves this past week upon the Twitters in the world. Liberty Safe, um, really, they didn't really directly do anything necessarily. So the Hodge twins posted something about a guy they supposedly know who got uh, rounded up by the FBI for some stuff he did on January 6th, allegedly. Okay, I don't want to get mired in the January 6th stuff and what this guy may or may not be guilty of. I don't like it. I don't like what they did. I don't like the timing of it, what have you. But that's not what I want to talk about. So everybody's pissed off at Liberty Safe because they gave the feds a backdoor code so they could unlock his Liberty Safe. So it was like a master code. Okay. <clears throat> Liberty Safe did themselves no favors when they came out and issued their first statement, which basically said that they comply with law enforcement. And so long as 
law enforcement asks, they basically give them this backup code. Problem I have with that, if you have a warrant, that's fine. Uh, go ahead and either forward that to us or you can go ahead and get a court order that makes us have to give you this pin, this backdoor code. So there's a lot of people that have a real problem with the backdoor master code, if you will. And I can see that and I can understand that, but I can also see from a company standpoint, people are dumb. Most consumers are really, really dumb, lazy, um, and forget things, misplace things, don't know how to work things, try to do their own code, completely screw it up. And from a customer service standpoint, if you're a Liberty Safes or any other safe manufacturer, you should probably have a backdoor code in which you can help a customer out who has screwed something up. Maybe somebody passed away, didn't leave the code behind, kids inherit this thing, whatever. There's any number of things that you can come up with of rationale for having a, a master code backup. Well, there's a lot of people really mad about the master code. Okay, fair enough. The biggest problem everyone should have here, and I should say too, that Liberty Safe came out and issued another statement trying to clean everything up. Let me read that one. So this is their second statement after the shitstorm that hit them on the interwebs. It says, at Liberty Safe, we are dedicated to safeguarding the rights and privacy of all our customers. Okay, yeah, maybe not. Anyway, it is a promise that remains deeply personal to our employees and leadership. Our company, one of America's oldest and largest safe manufacturers, was founded on the belief that Americans should have the fundamental right to protect and safeguard their valuables and property. As a courtesy to our customers, Liberty Safe has long adhered to industry standards by maintaining a secure database of factory set combinations. This practice helps customers regain access to their safe for a wide range of reasons, including loss of the original combination, service requests, and warranty issues. Liberty Safe processes over 4,000 requests of this type annually and provides combinations to safe, owner, safe owners only once they provide clear documentation of their identity and their ownership of the safe. We listen to our customers and update our products and practices in response to their evolving needs. Today, we are announcing a change that empowers our customers with greater control over their information. Effective immediately, existing customers can visit their website and fill out the form to have records of their access codes, access codes expunged. In the coming weeks, we will be releasing a feature that gives every new customer this option when registering their safe. This change allows customers to take control of how their information is stored and protected. We understand that many of our customers are willing to assume the responsibility of safeguarding their own combination. While those who opt out of our data storage process will have limited recourse in case of a lost combination, we respect their choice and are here to support them in the way that's best for them. We also, we have also revised our policies around cooperation with law enforcement. Going, going forward, we will require a subpoena that legally compels Liberty Safe to supply access codes, but can only do so if these codes still exist in our system. Our mission is to protect what matters most to our customers, whether that be valuables or privacy. It is our pledge to continue to make excellent products that serve gun owners everywhere. So they give it right there. 
the cat out of the bag. Basically what happened is the feds called, said, hey, we need this code for this guy. And they said, yes, sir, what can I do for you? Would you like me to email it, tell it to you, fax it, or all three? That's the issue you should have with Liberty Safe. Okay, you should, if you're a safe company, much like Apple did with uh, the feds trying to get access into people's uh, things from Apple, we'll see you in court. We're not doing it. No, fuck you, no. You should kind of know when a company uses a term, names their company like quality car service or honest plumbing supply or liberty safe. If they got to tell you the thing that they're into, they probably don't hold that ideal personally. But I'm also going to put it back on everyone else who has a real problem with Liberty Safe. The issue here is not Liberty Safe. The issue here is the system upon which we currently find ourselves in. If you guys had half the animus and energy towards the feds and the process that they put people through unconstitutionally that you have for Liberty Safes, perhaps we would not find ourselves in the current situation we find ourselves in. Now, this guy may have very well committed these crimes he's been commit, uh, uh, accused of. I don't know. I also don't really understand why his safe was part of the thing. He was not accused of having a weapon. I, I don't really know what the safe has to do with anything, but I'm not in charge of the investigation. I'm not the pinko doing the thing. So, think about it next time. Of who you should really be mad at. Now, you don't have to be happy with Liberty Safes, and I get that. Although they do have some fine-looking safes. You should be really, really mad at the process that's going on. And the fact that this guy has been walking around free for three and a half years, two and a half years, whatever it is at this point. And then, bam, they snatch him up on the sidewalk over something that happened years ago that they've been pouring over the data of apparently that they're so busy and consumed with they can't investigate one Joseph Robinette Biden or Hunter be mad at that system have your animus towards that system focus your energy towards that that's the real issue if they're not doing what they're doing and putting this poor man through this process violating his rights among other people's they're about to throw his ass in a hole if they haven't already focus your energy there not at liberty safes you, you have every right to be mad at liberty safes but i'll leave it on this final note if you're relying on a company to stand between the government and you and your rights, you don't understand the game that's being played, and you have definitely already lost. So, the third thing, third and final thing, I think, for today, 
I was talking with the old man. It's been a couple months ago. And uh, I, my father and I are similar and also very, very different at the same time in mentality. I've always been into firearms as long as I can remember. BB guns, pellet guns, toy guns. I mean, there are pictures of me that my mother has when I'm like five years old with like, you know, the fake toy gun, Rambo guns, all of that. Always been into it. My dad has never really been into guns. He doesn't hate guns, but he's never, it is very odd that I am all about it. And he was just kind of like, eh, you know, fair to Midland. <clears throat> Excuse me. But the more I got into guns, the more he got into guns. As of the last, I don't know, eight, 10 years, my dad has gotten, in, gotten into guns. He's bought a few. Growing up, the only gun in the house was a uh, single shot, brake barrel lever shotgun, 20 gauge shotgun, other than a pellet gun and a BB gun. The only real gun was a 20 gauge shotgun, single shot, nothing. It's like, it's probably I don't know, that gun's probably worth about $75 right now or something like that. But that was it. I've never even shot the damn thing, actually. Nope, never shot it. But he's since purchased other firearms, more legit stuff. Um, he also got his concealed carry after I got mine. And my dad now carries a pistol, which is really odd for me. I like it, but, you know, I know the guy, so growing up with him, it's... It's different, but good. I like it. So we were talking, you know, as we do, we talk about all kinds of things. And uh, we were talking a couple months ago, and we were talking about, you know, what would you do if you were in grocery store, Lowe's, Walmart, whatever it is, if you were in a big box store and someone starts shooting? And my dad said, well, you know, I've got a way to defend myself, so I would start to move towards that gunfire. He says, I think I would start to move towards the gunfire. And I said, first and foremost, don't ever do that. Whatever you do, don't do that. And he was kind of puzzled as to, well, why wouldn't I? I said, Dad, you're not a cop. Um... I understand the mentality of wanting to move towards that, but you're not a cop. You don't need to be a cop. A pistol is a defensive weapon. It is only an offensive weapon when it has to be or people are unarmed. Now, there's a lot of you probably thinking, well, I would move towards it because, you know, I want to make sure other people don't die, and I understand that. Let's, let's think about some things first. If you're at a store and you hear gunshots, I hope, first and foremost, that's out of the realm of norm for whatever neighborhood you live in. Assuming that that is completely out of the norm, the odds that that is a mass shooting about to happen or going down are still very slim. The odds are is it is a a fight gone wrong. It is two people who know each other, 
and have an issue. And that's probably, that the high statistical probability is it's something to that effect. Two people who may or may not have just gotten into it and it escalated to gunfire or someone who's been looking for somebody else and they happen upon them at the place that you're at the time you're there, okay? The other part is, the first thing you should do if you hear gunshots is find cover. If you're with someone, grab them. If someone's in the same aisle nearby to you, all you need to do is say, come with me, follow me, and go this way. Try to figure out where the gunshots are coming from and go that opposite direction. Every big box store has back doors that you can get out of. They all have those fire exit doors that say, you know, alarm with sound if you open this door. That's the best one to go through, actually. The thing you need to do is to make sure you survive, make sure your loved ones survive, make sure that you're not one of the casualties. Now, without getting into any side style of tactics or things like that, actually, before I go to that part, what I told him was, I said, Dad, we live in an area where the odds of the district attorney, if you were to go towards that gunfire and you were to, it was a mass shooting, you go towards the gunfire and you stop that guy. Okay, you did your heroic act of your entire life right there. Good on you. I, I can't fault anyone for doing that. I said, but we live in an area where the district attorney is probably going to be okay with that. I said, if you're in one of these cities or somewhere else, they may not be okay with that. They may come after you as being the aggressor in that scenario. I know that sounds crazy, but there is that possibility. There's also the other possibility that as you go running towards this guy with your gun out, and he has a gun out, the cops show up and they shoot you both, thinking there's two shooters. That's happened before. Or they show up, you shoot this guy, he's down, you're holding a gun, all they see is a guy down, other bodies around him, and you're the one holding the gun, and they shoot you. The cops don't know who the, the bad shooter is. They just know there's a shooting going on. And they're there to stop it. They see gun, they fire. You know, there's a fog of war, if you will, that happens in a shooting. Any of us that have seen these videos of these active shooters and the cops showing up, hey man, shit just got real, real fast. And now, you know, these cops know about these mass shootings that happen. They know about it. They understand that if that's what they're responding to, the last one I saw was that guy in Fort Worth who ran, you know, like a fucking marathon to go get this cat. Good on him. He, he knew it was a mass shooter. He knew it was a mass shooting. He saw the victims. He had to run by them. And he, you're going to be thinking as a cop, when you're dealing with a mass shooting, you're probably dealing with an assault rifle. And so here we go. This ain't no cap gun. You don't want to get hit by a nine millimeter, but you certainly don't want to get hit by a 223 or 556 or 762 by 39 or God knows what else. You don't want any rifle round to hit you. At least with a nine, you got a pretty good chance that your plates are going to stop it. Still don't want to take that hit. So cops are coming in looking to put down the threat. You don't want to be perceived as the threat. So don't do that. Don't go running towards the gunfire. My advice would be, the other part is, it's hard to find cover in a big box store. 
If you don't know the difference between concealment and cover, you really need to figure that one out because a car is not covered. A car mostly is concealment. Now, if you're behind the engine block, the engine block is between you and the shooter, it's a pretty good chance that that is cover. But engines sit pretty low in cars nowadays. So you're gonna have to basically be on the ground and now you're in a disadvantageous position to move. The thing you need to do Whenever you watch some of these videos of, you know, the shooting happens and you see everybody scatter or you see, you know, the mayhem breaks loose, the security cameras are the best ones for this. Someone walks up, fires off a gun. You'll see half the people run away, half the people drop to the ground and just wait to get dead. If you're in an area and something happens like that and gunshots start popping off, you need to try to figure out which way those gunshots came from, where they're at, general direction, and move the other direction. Grab anybody you can and take them with you and find a way out, always looking for cover. The shelves inside of a big box store, not cover. They're concealment. Bullets will pass right through them, okay? There's all kinds of shrapnel that's gonna come out as well. God only knows what's gonna go down. So you need to go the other way and you need to put as many objects and things in between you and those gunshots as you can and you need to get the hell out, get 911 on the phone, do whatever it is, but get the hell out of there. <clears throat> my advice to my father was, one, you don't wanna be a hero unless you have to be. If you're standing there and you see it go down and you can be the first one to do something, fair enough. Do not move towards the gunfire. Move away from it. Find an exit. Shuttle people out of that exit. Make sure it's open. You can be the one that leads 20, 30 people out of the building instead of the guy who runs over there gets shot himself either by the mass shooter, either by the mass shooter or the police. Move. Make sure everyone else moves. Get the hell out of there. Now, I'm sure there's a lot of you thinking, oh my God, I'm not a fucking pussy. I'm gonna go in there. I'm gonna do this, that, or the other. Good, good luck, man. I hope you win. But just know, just like a cop knows, if it truly is a mass shooting, he's probably not standing there with a Glock 19. That shooter is probably standing there with a long gun, lots of rounds, and a couple to throw down New York style reload. Okay, it doesn't matter if it's a male, if it's a female, if they're 30, 40, 50 years old, every single one of them tends to come in there with a long gun and start putting rounds down range. We all know if we've done 10 minutes worth of research or 10 minutes worth of shooting guns, the long gun is king when it comes to long guns versus pistols. It's not that you can't do it, just that you shouldn't do it. I mean, if that's who you are, if you're gung-ho, if you're just, you know, you're all about it, okay. I get it, but how many lives can you save by getting people out as opposed to just running towards that threat? That's the cop's job. If you're close, if you see it, if you know, that's a different story. But if you're just in the store and you hear gunshots pop off, go the opposite direction, find the nearest exit, help people out of that exit, get the hell out of there instantly now once you're outside move around towards the front where the cop's going to show up towards the front 
move towards that front of that damn store. If that's a possibility, if it's not like if it's a strip mall or something, still move towards the closest road where you think the cops will come down, go that direction, try to get towards the front of that building, put as much distance between you and that shooter as possible as much. Do not stop. Once you get outside and just stand outside the back door. If for some reason that shooter is able to make it to that back door, sees it propped open, sees all the people going out there, guess what he just found? A whole gaggle of new victims. Keep moving. Movement equals life in these scenarios, guys. Movement equals life. If you decide just to hunker down in one of the aisles, I hope the cops get there quick and put the guy down because you're the next victim. Keep fucking moving. Keep fucking moving. Move quick, move decisively, get the hell out of there. That's my best advice. Again, I'm not a lawyer, I'm no tactical guy, I was never in the military. All I've been able to do my entire life is watch people, study the human moves, and watch some of these videos when I can stomach it and see how people move and survive and see how people don't move and don't survive. I see how the shooters move, I see what they react to, I see all the different things. They're there for the headlines, for the clicks. They don't expect to make it out of this thing alive. Guys, none of these shooters expect to make it out alive. You know, if you're in one of the nightclub scenarios and someone walks in and starts shooting, any, any building you guys walk into, find out there's exit signs have to be posted, legally have to be posted everywhere where the nearest exit is. Find those signs and find those exits. You ain't got to walk over and touch the damn door, but know where it is. Know a general place to move. If you're in a restaurant and shots pop off, go to the kitchen and move through there. There's always a back door. That's where you fucking smoke when you're on break, bro. Move that direction. Get the hell out of there. You know, if you're in a nightclub and shit pops off, don't go in the bathroom. Think we all learned that one. Don't ever go in the goddamn bathroom. Don't go in the cooler. Don't go in the uh, the the fridge or anything like that in a restaurant or something move get to daylight get outside move 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 there's one maybe two shooters get away from them put the distance there don't be a damn hero if you have to be a hero that's fine i get it that's why we carry a gun that's why we conceal carry that's why we're prepared that's why we have that tool on our belt but you don't want to be that same thing with being in a car you see so many videos of people who are in cars and they either, you know, have a road rage thing and they decide I'm going to get out of this car or they pull over with this crazy person who wants to give you a piece of their mind. Keep driving. If they want to pull over and pull up next to you, okay, play that game. The second they get out, drive off. Bye. Play that game like you used to play with your buddies when he got out of the car. And the second he'd get up to the handle, you'd drive a forward five feet. He would get up to the handle again, boom, drive again. Just drive off. Drive to the nearest police station. Drive to the nearest place where police hang out, like a quick trip or other convenience store. Why are we getting out of the vehicle ever? Why are we indulging in this road rage fantasy where we're going to stop with these people? I understand if they, they cut you off, you know, and they block your way out. I get that. I can understand why you stopped then, sort of. You have car insurance. You can drive through there most likely. The other part is if you're driving and someone cuts you off, like physically uses their vehicle to block your escape or egress, the pistol should already be out in my mind. 
you should have your firearm out right then and there because this is not normal. They've broken numerous laws and now they're preventing you from escaping. Now we're ratcheting it up. I would have the pistol out. I would have it ready to go. And whatever their actions begin after that, they're gonna dictate how that thing goes. Again, not a legal expert. Know the rules and regulations of your area. But if someone blocks your path from leaving a scene or driving on and they get out of the vehicle and you have a pistol, you better have your fucking hand on it. Now, you can show it to them if you want. Maybe that changes their mind. I would be looking at their hands instantly when they come around the vehicle the second you can see them. If they come up to your window and start pounding on it, I'm putting rounds through it. It's just that simple. I have nowhere that I can go. If you can reverse out of there, I would say reverse out of there. But if you're on a road, most likely there's cars coming up behind you. I'm, that sounds like witnesses to me. Now, they come around the vehicle and the second you see them, you start firing through the windshield. That's a different story. Don't do that. Unless for some reason you can tell that they have an arm of some sort in their hand. That's a, that's a whole different scenario. But just talking generalities, just leave, get away, go. I, I've been in you know fights in my life. Um, I don't want to anymore. I didn't really want to back then, but you know sometimes things happen. You're younger. There's a lot more testosterone flowing around. Uh, but you know it is what it is. At this point, I'm just leaving. I don't need the headache. I don't need the shit. Okay. It's not that big a deal. Nothing here is worth dying over, man. Nothing in my home is worth dying over for someone to come in. Nothing in that roadway is worth dying over. No mattress in a lane or an alleyway behind a house is worth dying over. Not doing it. Just go. Just drive. Just get out of there. Just leave. Don't get out of the car. Just leave. It's that simple. Don't move towards the gunfire. Don't create the altercation. Don't do the thing like that. Get out of there and survive. Move, 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 and survive. That's how these things work. Just move and survive, okay? I think that's all for the topics that I have today. I've probably bladdered it on enough for you guys. Uh, thanks for listening. I always appreciate it. I appreciate the feedback that I get on Twitter. Uh, lots of you guys are sending me DMs telling me that you're listening. I appreciate all of you. You guys are great. Um, hopefully you found this uh, episode entertaining, maybe informative. Hopefully it makes you think a little better, makes you think a little deeper about things. But uh, final thoughts, watch some college football, watch the NFL, break away from things, break away from the politics, clear your mind a little bit, have a drink if that's your thing, have a smoke if that's your thing, have them both if that's your thing. Uh, do everything in moderation, but let's think about things, guys. Let's think a little more outside the box. Let's keep doing what we're doing. I think we're moving in the right direction. Check me out again on Twitter. Check me out on, uh, check out the, the site I put up on YouTube. Like, comment, subscribe, do all those things, or just like or comment. I always read every single comment that I can, and I try to respond to every single one that's worth responding to, but it's YouTube. And uh, until next time, guys, take it easy. I'll see you soon.